Good morning and welcome into a special edition of The Front Office. I'm Tony Lombardi with Russell Street Report, and I'm joined by Brian McFarlane, also with Russell Street Report. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Morning, Tony. All, all's good on this end. How about you? Good, thanks. Good. Happy New Year to you. You too. You too. So before we get into this talk about Roquan Smith and Lamar Jackson, I just wanted to shine a light on two things. Today is the 10th anniversary of the Mile High Miracle, and also at 10 a.m., we're recording this right now at 9.16, we'll be hearing of a major concert announcement at M&T Bank Stadium. Thoughts on who that might be? You know, I, and I haven't seen any speculation anywhere, which is unusual, or maybe I just have missed it. Um, honestly, I have no idea. I, um, I meant to, when it first announced that I meant to go out and look to see what major tours were going to be around this summer. Um, I did the same. I don't know. Do you, do you have any thoughts? Do you have any insight? The one there, there was a couple that, or there were a couple that I thought would match up timing wise. Metallica was one. Okay. Garth Brooks was another, and he had canceled that one appearance at M and T prior to COVID or or when COVID hit. So they canceled Mm -hmm. that. So that's a possibility, but I'm hearing that it's going to be, Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks. I did see that one. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, of those, Metallica would be the the coolest for me. Uh, yeah, and, I'm a, and I'm not a huge Metallica fan, but uh, I've never been a big Stevie Nicks fan. <laughs> uh, Billy Joel would be fine, and I'm not real country, so Garth Brooks wouldn't do anything for me. But, um, but yeah, that's cool. I mean, I, I, you know, I'd like to see them. And obviously with with, you know, all the bands coming out of COVID and touring and things like that, it's it's, you know, be nice to see them get some more uh, big acts there. I mean, I, I think you did, too. I saw you, too, there. And, yeah, uh, that was a great show. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a you know, it's a nice I mean, that's a great obviously, even if it's at its age at this point, which is kind of funny to say, but it's a nice stadium to see concerts for sure. It really was. And, and I don't think other than maybe the parade that ended at M&T Bank Stadium when the Ravens won Super Bowl 47. I don't think I've ever seen that stadium as full as during that U2 concert. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was uh, there were there weren't any many empty seats in the upper deck for sure. Now with the Mile High Miracle, today's a 10 year anniversary. Where were you when that happened? Wow, I was um, where was I? We were at a friend's house. Um, I can't remember which, um, but um, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we, I, you know, you know, they, they, they kind of went down early and of course two kick returns, you know, uh, really met you uh, when you, when they picked off Manning in overtime, you know, obviously, and obviously to, just to get there with the Jacoby Jones catch, um, you felt like it was, I mean, the Jacoby Jones catch was like, okay, this is meant to be, but then, you know, you got Manning on the other side and you're like, oh gosh. But then when, uh, um, was that Corey Graham that picked him off? I think. Yes, he had two interceptions yeah. that game. Yeah, cool. When Corey Graham picked him off, and and then they start playing for the field goal. And I mean, I, you know, we know who Tucker is now, obviously. And it was no worries, but uh, you know, he was still a rookie then, and forty-seven or forty-eight in that cold. Um, but you know, obviously, uh, Harbaugh had plenty of uh, faith in him from that, obviously, because he, you know, they really the last couple plays after they got that big first down when Yonda pushed uh, Ray Rice to get the first down, then they just played for field goal from that point on. You know, there's a, a video that's going around 
or that's been posted for a number of years. It was taken from the stands at at Bronco Stadium, Maha Stadium, and it was you hear this girl screaming when they see the throw coming down to Jacoby Jones, and she ends it by saying, "Are you effing kidding me?" <laughs> Yeah, I and, remember that one. Yeah, and that, that. I had the same response, although my jubilant yeah. response. <laughs> I, I remember being slumped down on my couch. We had some friends over, and, and when things aren't going well, when we we host, for, things aren't going well for the Ravens. I'm not really a lot of fun to be around, so I'm slumping yeah, down either. in the couch, and I'm thinking, all right, how am I going to spin this tomorrow? It was a good season, but this that. And then that happens. I'm like, you, and then I just said, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> so good memories. Hopefully the Ravens will have more of those in, in the future. Now to get there, the Ravens pulled off a trade midseason to land Roquan Smith. And there's no denying that the contributions he's made have been immediate. So much so that he was named the team MVP by the local media, despite having played in just nine games for the Ravens. So to land Smith, the Ravens gave up a second round pick, and a conditional fifth. Now, I'm guessing, Brian, that the conditions have to have been met for them to give up that fifth. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw it, but really, Roquan was just named player defensive player of the month, too, uh, okay. by the NFL. So, yeah, so obviously contributions are, are pretty clear. So, yeah, um, that was something that the conditional fifth was not reported. I don't recall it being reported at the time of the trade. And then um, – I did go back and search, and I didn't see anything on it. For some other reason, I was trying to figure out which which of the fifth-round picks the Ravens had traded because they have, they had New England's as well. They actually traded New England's, and that was the conditional pick. Um, and I had, I had a tweet ready to go, honestly, right as, right as the uh, news of the, the contract broke, and I was going to put that out there that maybe they would still have their fifth, and maybe it was contingent on them re-signing him before, uh, before the draft. Well, I think that pretty much went out the window. I mean, obviously, he went – I don't know if he'll make all pro or not. I mean, I guess that could be a condition. But pro ball was often a condition. And then in this case, I would assume re-signing was the condition for the fifth. So if he, if, if he left as a free agent, then we would have only traded the second uh, because it wouldn't be her long term. So I would have to think – I mean, like I said, it, was, it wasn't even reported as conditional at the time. And certainly none of the conditions have been reported, but I would have to think that's 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 a done deal for sure now. Now, the trade also included the Bears absorbing a large portion of Roquan's compensation in 2022. Can you share those details, which I think, Brian, they seem to be underappreciated. It's an underappreciated coup for Eric DaCosta in this deal. Yeah, um, I, and I apologize. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I think he had about um, six, a, a, between five and six million um, still due on on the deal uh, at the time because he was playing under his fifth year option. Um, the Raven, the, basically, they took that down to the minimum um, or the prorated portion of the minimum, minimum at the time of the trade. Um, and the Bears ate the rest in order to trade him. So, I mean, yeah. If you think of it, because they didn't have the cap space. And if you remember from uh, last offseason, DaCosta talking about how, you know, they real they, they didn't have the cap space last year to make a trade. And, you know, that midseason trade, as, as happened with Peters and clearly has happened with Smith now, uh, you know, has, it was, has been a big boost if you obviously trade for the right guy and it works. So, um, but yeah, so the only way they could really pull it off this year 
was to get the bears to eat that much. And when you're potentially only getting, you know, three months of a player, that's why they, I mean, yeah, they got the bears to eat it, but that's why they probably had to give up the second and the fifth, even though the fifth was conditional um, as opposed to maybe a third. Um, so, I mean, it works both ways. I mean, you, you know, you're, you're buying, you're, you're trading, you know, you're trading a higher pick to buy that, to offset that money. So, um, uh, you know, like I said, for a couple months of a player, maybe it wouldn't normally be a second, but at this point, uh, you know, now that I'm sure there's nobody in that front office, nobody on that team that, that's complaining about not having a second round pick. And, you know, we know DaCosta, we, you know, out of the Aussie school, there's going to be some trade downs to get a couple extra picks here and there probably. Right. So the Ravens make the trade with the hopes that they could sign Roquan to a long-term deal, but there were no guarantees, no promises. They just, you know, took it upon themselves to try to make it work. And, and so far it has worked, but are you surprised that Roquan didn't test the free agent market since they're just at best two games away from finishing the season? Yeah. Um, you know, they've been able to get guys um, and, and, you know, it, we saw it with Peters. I mean, Peters was the same thing. Uh, and Peters, I mean, Peters was great, was a great deal for the Ravens. Um, it was honestly a below market deal, but I, I think that speaks to the the culture of the team. Um, and I know a lot of fans aren't happy with Harbaugh and all of that, but um, you know, obviously the castle plays part of that Bashadi's money to build that, you know, beautiful complex, but cause you always hear about players talking about, wow, you know, compared to some places they've been, but I mean, you know, I hate, you know, Roquan's coming from Chicago and, you know, they've been a mess for years and clearly they weren't, you know, he felt underappreciated there. So I, I think that goes a long way towards, you know, I'm, I'm flourishing here. I love this team. I'm going to be the centerpiece here. Um, you know, and it honestly, if, you know, if Lamar, something we'll get to Lamar in a, in a bit, but if, you know, if Lamar's not here next year, Roquan's probably the face of the team. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's something to be said for that. So I, and I think, like I said, I think it really speaks to the, the culture of the team both from the front office and the coaching um, that, it, you know, players that rep, you know, when they get here, they generally want to stay. And even when they leave, most of them, you, you know, kind of, you kind of get the sense they would have rather stayed, but obviously the money's the money. Right. So Roquan agrees to a five-year deal, $100 million. Talk about the structure of that deal. Is there anything in it that you saw to be unusual or interesting? No, I mean, it's a pretty straight, typical Ravens deal. Um, it's got it, you know, it's got the twenty two point five million dollar signing bonus um, because of the what I mean. And obviously we're talking about a, a lot of cap space right now. But, you know, given what they may have to do with Lamar, as we'll get to, um, you know, they, they've structured it to keep it pretty low. It's nine million in the first year. And this is something fans don't understand. We're talking about, a you know a $20 million a year contract, people think, oh, they got to have $20 million. Well, that's generally not the way contracts are structured. They're structured lower early and they, you know, they increase, but they stay relatively flat um, over the course. Now they've been using option bonuses. So this deal does include uh, in March of 24, he'll get another $12 million, $12 million bonus, which is the option bonus. That's also pro rated over at that point the last four years of the deal um so it, it's pretty standard they, they gotten away 
the only thing I would say, and I, I get it, but you know, they gotten away from the option bonuses. Um, those can create more dead money down the road. Um, you'd like to have higher base salaries in general. They had kind of gotten to that point and uh, that seemed to be their preferred structure and getting rid of the option bonuses. And then unfortunately the COVID came along, unfortunately for all kinds of reasons, obviously, but um, when the, the big reductions in the cap um, that caused them to, you know, you gotta be creative. You gotta find ways to, to make things work. So the option bonuses that are in, you know, that we're talking next year about, uh, we're, we're expecting a $225 million um, uh, salary cap. That probably would have been, but for COVID, that probably would have been $30 million more than that. We're probably talking about a 250 or range. So obviously, I mean, the Ravens are obviously, it's happening to everybody, but you've got to be a little more creative. Um, and thankfully, while people complain about cap space and things, the Ravens actually were in a lot better situation than most teams um, when COVID hit, um, they've had to be more creative, but they haven't had to really re terribly borrow from future years by adding void years and things like that. I mean, I saw something recently, the Packers last year moved like $80 million forward into future caps in, um, in order to, I mean, because they were so far over the cap and the Saints have had to do that. So, I mean, people can, you know, want to complain about, cap space and you know how the Ravens run the cap and you know every team could probably do it a little better but um, they actually are in better situation than most teams now you had just tweeted out earlier the structure of Roquan Smith and you can find Brian's uh, tweet at Ravens salary cap so uh, it's a good snapshot of, of what the contract looks like now Roquan signing frees the team up to franchise Lamar now before we get to Lamar I saw several tweets yesterday suggesting the Ravens have $52 million in available cap space in 2023, which would make them make that figure the fifth highest in the league. First, Brian, is that accurate? And secondly, that cap space is a bit misleading, isn't it, given the cost of a franchise tag for Lamar? Well, yeah, I mean, it's misleading in a lot of ways. So I think that came from over the cap. Um, it might have come from spot rack. I don't generally look at spot racks. So I don't know exactly where that came from. That was all for one. That was before. I mean, that does not include Roquan's deal. Um, uh, it looks like um, over the cap has actually adjusted their number down to 50 million, um, which uh, is actually exact. I mean, their numbers are exactly on with mine um, now. Um, so I don't know where there was a little excess there. So I'm not sure what that was uh, on their end. Um, but that's that you take that basically 50 and a half million dollars. You take the nine away from Roquan and you're, you're at 41.457 million. So that's where they are right now uh, with the cap. So when the Ravens tag Lamar, cause that's, I think foregone conclusion, wouldn't you agree? Well, I mean, I, I mean, ideally they'd get a long-term deal and, you know, because, because of the price, I mean, if they, if he signs a long-term deal, that first year cap number, I mean, obviously it depends all on the structure and how many years, but you're probably looking at a 20 to $30 million cap number as opposed to if the, if they use the exclusive tag, it's going to be 45 million. Um, and once, you know, once, once he's tagged that number, whether it's signed or not, hits the caps, which means if they are going to keep him under that number or keep him till they can trade him, 
they've got a lot of work to do with the rest of the cap just to create the space um, to, to accommodate that. Right. So right now, based upon the numbers you just shared, I think it was $41.4 million. If they were to today, ex, uh, you know, sla- or extend to him, I know that's the timing's not right, but if it happened today, that non-exclusive is like $45 million, which would put them over. Correct. Correct. So they, they would have to create some space elsewhere. Um, and obviously, hopefully, you know, they, they always seem to re-sign a guy or two before. So they don't have to be they don't have to be under the cap until March 15th. So they can use within the franchise tag window is basically um, it ends a week before the league year. And it's the two weeks prior to that. So it starts in late February. It's basically last week of February, first week of March. Um, and then there's a week in between before um, the new league year starts. They can tag him. I mean, they could tag him if, if this is if this is the tag window today. I mean, they can tag him and be and be over the cap. They just have to have everything in place by March 15th. They would have to make all their other moves by March 15th to be under the cap by then. Um, the, the, the tricky part is if it's going to be a tag and trade, they have to be under the cap. So they'd have to create all this space to be under the cap. And then when they trade them, of course, the, you know, $45 million cap uh, tag number goes away, but they've also probably made moves. They may not have wanted to, <laughs> you know, they might have to cut a guy they'd rather not. Um, Calais Campbell, for instance, um, we'll probably we'll get into, you know, got to, uh, specific guys in a bit probably, but you know, so that's, that, that's the timing I mean, they can they can agree to the trade at the combine, for instance, which is that last week of uh, last week of February, first week of March, kind of almost coincides with the tag window. Um, but they still have to tag him, still have to be under the cap on the 15th. And then the trade can happen on you know uh, the 16th. So we've talked about the exclusive tag. Now, the non-exclusive tag is a little bit less expensive, like in the 30 million dollar range, correct? Yeah, that should be on the 32, 33, 35 million range. Um, that the difference is the non-exclusive tag. Uh, he is allowed to negotiate with other teams. If he signs uh, an offer sheet with another team, uh, the Ravens have the, have the ability to match that offer. Or if they want to decline the offer, then they receive two first round picks. The question there is, I mean, does that, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough decision. Uh, He's worth more than two first round picks probably. So using that limits you, I mean, you could still, uh, you could still, you know, you could still match and then trade him, I guess, and then ask for more. I mean, the, the, I guess the advantage of using the non-exclusive tag is that if Lamar is still you know, stuck on fully guaranteed and nobody's offering fully guaranteed, maybe it makes a difference. Um, you know, I mean, Lamar's been willing to bet on himself, obviously, several times. If he's not getting what he wants this offseason, maybe he does it again and says, well, I'll play under the franchise tag, whichever one it is. And if I have an MVP season next year, somebody's going to give me fully guaranteed. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cat and mouse game. Um, so, uh, you know, who knows for sure how it's going to play out the exclusive tag. He cannot negotiate with any other team. The Ravens can control the, you know, the, the trade dynamic, if that's what's going to happen, 
but it's 45 million, which makes it really hard for their cap. I mean, if he's, if he plays under the cap, uh, under the tag, I should say, um, you know, that's going to be really hard from a cap perspective for them to negotiate and, you know, and fill other holes in the team. I would think Brian, that they would go with the exclusive, even though it's more costly because there's probably a handful of teams that would be interested in Lamar that need a quarterback. And the more teams that are interested, the higher the price goes and the better the Ravens hall could be in a tag and trade situation. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I, I mean, I'd be really surprised uh, if they went with a non-exclusive tag. I just, you know, they, that they, they lose negotiating power there because uh, why is the team going to trade more than first two first round picks if they can just, um, you know, if they can just sign him to an offer sheet. Now, granted, the Ravens do have the right to match. That's the only advantage for the Ravens in that in that scenario. And poison pills are not allowed in contracts, but you can still structure it so it would be hard harder for the Ravens to match. But um, so I, I I would think the exclusive would be. I, I mean, I can see some rationale for the non-exclusive, but I think that's just too risky. Now, if the Ravens can't swing a trade, say the compensation doesn't meet their requirements or Lamar can't land the deal that he seeks, you know, this in in terms of his contract. So two part question. Do you see Lamar willingly playing under the tag if he ultimately does? Would you expect more of the same drama that we've experienced with Lamar in 2022? Yeah, I mean, I see a lot of people saying, oh, he'll never play under the tag. Um, I find that hard to believe. Um, because I don't know how that one, he doesn't get any money when he's not playing. So whether it's, you know, 35 million under the non-exclusive or whether it's 45 under the exclusive, I don't see him sitting out. I mean, that's a lot of money to, to, you know, to sit out and not, not receive. Um, but it just puts him right in the same situation a year from now. And he's coming off of an injury. He hasn't played in a year. And, you know, we, we saw, you know, Deshaun Watson not looking very good this year, having sat out a full year. Uh, you know, there's other obviously variables involved there, but um, now Lamar's young enough to to maybe play that game. Um, but again, if you all all it does is we're right back in the same situation. I, I think there's been you know the the franchise tag in its various forms has existed since '93. I think um, I think only once. And it was Sean Gilbert with the Skins or the Panthers. I don't remember. He went from the Panthers. One of them, because he ended up with the other team after the year later. But he's the only player, to my recollection, that's ever actually sat out the full year. So um, now, if, if, if Lamar wants to you know, exert his leverage, he can sit out all the training camp and show up the week before the season. Um, you know, but again if he does that now i can set all of otas like he did this year i could certainly i think that would be a given but if he sits out tra- out of training camp and shows up week 1 and isn't very good the first couple of weeks cuz he's been sitting out I, it doesn't help him from a perspective of contract then you know next well, next year we're talking about the same thing he's played the year under the, the tag but if he hasn't played well He's not getting fully guaranteed then either. So I, I don't know. It, it's, I mean, Lamar's handled this differently, obviously, than any other player we've ever seen. So 
Uh, I, there's, you know, I, if you're asking me to predict something, I would have predicted he was signed two years ago. So I haven't been very good at that part of it. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I don't know what to think there, but I, I would there's no way I, I would be shocked if he sat out. Do you recall the situation with Le'Veon Bell? Is, is it that the, the Steelers offered him a contract that he refused and decided to sit out or, or did they actually tag him? No, that was not a tag. Um, okay. I'm trying to remember. Was he, he wasn't a restricted free agent. I think he just sat out the year. I think he was still under contract. That, that's, but I don't think that was a franchise tag situation. Okay. So the tag will eat up uh, the Ravens cap space, and then some they'll have to make some adjustments, uh, alterations to their cap structure by March 15th. What can the Ravens do to create even more cap space? Say if they wanted to make a play for a player like DeAndre Hopkins, who the Cardinals are putting on the trading block. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's going to be some guys cut. Uh, Nick Boyle was uh, was the first of those dominoes. And I, I think, you know, that, that writing was on the wall there that he wasn't going to be back next year, or at least certainly at, at the number he was. Uh, I mean, I, I could, the only thing, I, I don't think anybody's given it more than the minimum at this point if he even wants to play any longer, you know. Um, so that was the first domino. I mean, there's some others that, um, you know, obviously, if they, again, if they have to make some tough decisions, a guy like Gus Edwards, um, there's, you know, there's almost four and a half million in savings there. Chuck Clark, three and a half million in savings. Um uh, Calais Campbell, you know, it, obviously he's kind of a year-to-year guy like Marshall Yonda was at the end. His numbers, if he retires or or they release him, is six and a half million. Um, now he could be a guy they go to him because his cap number is over almost almost nine million overall. I mean, he's a guy they could go to, uh, kind of like they did with Yonda, and just say, hey, you know, we'll we'll tack on an extra year. You'll get the, a little more money than you're set to get right now, and but we can reduce your cap number and make it work for everybody. So, um, so that's certainly, um, you know, I mean, he's played really well this year. Um, so that's, you know, but he's up there in age. So, I mean, that's another one. I mean, Michael Pierce, obviously, we got to see very little of him. That's about two million. Makari's two million. Morgan Moses would be five and a half. I'm just, I'm not saying any of these are going to happen. But those are the, the places at least a release um, can create some money. Of course, those are pre-June 1 releases. There'd be, you know, there's some more options if you try to a post-June 1 release. Um, and, then, and, of course, there's restructures. You, got, you know, they, they've gone to that well before. Um, whether they really want to, uh, again, you know, that remains to be seen. But they, there's certainly money there uh, if they have to. You know, Stanley, Humphrey again, Andrews, uh, I don't. I think they did not restructure Andrews last year, or did they? Um, I don't believe they did. Yeah, I think he was one that we thought they might. Um, Bowser, there's a little there. You know, I mean, so there's options. You know, Zeitler's in the last year of his deal. I don't think they're cutting him, but if, if he retired or they cut him, that's another $6.5 million. He's another guy, you know, they could put on that that Yonda uh, train, sort of, so to speak, and, you know, let's let's tack on another year or two. We're real happy with you. If you want to keep playing, we'll, you know, we'll make it worth your while and add a little extra money to it. And then, you know, we can reduce that cap number. So they've got some, I think they, I think they have more flexibility this year than they did last. 
Um, so, you know, it's, it's going to hurt and it may hurt in some cases because there may be, you know, they may have to say goodbye to a guy like Calais when they really don't want to, but that's six and a half millions too good to, you know, to turn down and you cut three other guys to get the six and a half or you cut one guy to take the six and a half and you generally go for the one guy. Cause that's one, you know, that's, you don't want as many holes when you're releasing three different guys. Yeah. I would think that, you know, as much as I like Calais Campbell, I'm sure the fan base loves Calais Campbell. He's a great locker room guy, great leader. He's been productive, as you say, in his role this year. And and with the rotations that they use on the defensive line, they could probably keep him fresh for another productive year. But you have to wonder, that $6.5 can that make a bigger impact at a different position? At, at Let's say wide receiver, go out and get like an A.J. Brown like the Eagles did for Jalen Hurts. You know, go out and get a player like that who – by his presence and ability can make a big difference in the overall picture of the offense, you know, just by his presence alone. And so you have to wonder if that six and a half million, as much as they could let go of Calais Campbell, and even though they want to keep him, it might be better used elsewhere. Well, yeah. And I mean, and I don't, you know, I'm not, you know, <laughs> uh, jumping on Calais Campbell's grave, so to speak, but you also have to keep in mind, they got Michael Pierce coming back and we saw him for, a game or two, uh, you know, was it that I, was it even that, and he looked really good. Um, so there is a replacement there already. Um, so, you know, a guy that we basically didn't see this year, uh, who, you know, I obviously it looked like the run defense suffers a little when Calais wasn't in there. Well, that's Pierce's forte. Right. Anything else regarding Lamar situation that we haven't touched on? Yeah, no, I mean, I just, uh, I guess, I mean, you know, the, the, the bottom line still because you see people you know why did they you know why did they um you know why, why are we signing a linebacker and not our quarterback well Lamar said he didn't want to negotiate during the year um and, and to be honest with you I mean let's I think it's pretty 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 uh, uh to me at least I mean the, the deal that reports they offered him back in September was the best quarterback deal for on every um, and by every measure, except fully guaranteed. If Lamar's stuck on fully guaranteed, there's really nothing to talk about. You know, I mean, uh, they, the Ravens can go back and make offer after offer after offer. But if he says, I want fully guaranteed, you know, if he, if he goes, if he walked into the Costa's office today and said, hey, I'll take, you know, I'll take, uh, I don't know, $160 million guaranteed on a $250 million deal, it's probably done. Right. I just think both sides have made mistakes in this whole thing and it's made the situation worse. And, you know, I, I, I don't see him back. I, I really don't. I've been told that Steve Bishotti is, is livid about the situation, which suggests to me that they've done everything imaginable to accommodate Lamar, except give him that guaranteed contract. And, and Bishotti was pretty clear. Bishotti does not, mince words he does not say things he doesn't mean and when he said that Deshaun Watson was an outlier he meant it he didn't mean that that was going to be the standard upon which future contracts will be based including Lamar Jackson so it's kind of a standoff and and Brian I sometimes wonder how his teammates are beginning to look at him because this injury was supposed to be a one to three week yeah, yeah. and now it's going to become a six-week injury with no end in sight and you hear the national media talking about how, you know, his knees is still swollen and this, that, and the other. But I'm sorry. They've created this atmosphere 
of conspiracy theory and, and speculation. And I'll join in the party because I speculate that that is information fed to the national media to help the Ravens in future negotiations with other teams or in a, t- a tag and trade situation because they don't want what's happening at the castle. Again, it's me speculating, but they've invited this, that there's there's things going on at the castle that people don't want to hear about or the Ravens don't want others to hear about, which would impact what they could get in the open market for Lamar. Yeah, I mean, it, it all goes back to it. And I, and I certainly, you know, I get the frustration from fans and I, you know, I get the frustration from Harbaugh as well. And he gets tired of answering questions about injuries. And obviously, you know, they all, all and the Ravens certainly aren't alone in this, but, you know, they, they like to keep things under wraps. They like to keep their opponents guessing. But, you know, that now the, the Ravens didn't say one to three weeks. That that report came from who I don't who knows where originally. Yeah, but, but Harbaugh did say John Harbaugh, not, the week into leading into that Steelers game, you had John Harbaugh telling the media that it's a possibility, although not likely, right. that to play against the Steelers. So he sort of invited a lot of this. No, no he did. Now, yeah, that, that was my next thought. But and I know I imagine that was kind of strategic. But the Ravens offense is the Ravens offense. I I don't know that, that you know you're scheming for the same offense because the, the backup quarterbacks while certainly not as good as Lamar by any stretch of the imagination they're right. running the same offense it's not like your your backup is Flacco and it's going to be you know they're going to totally redo the offense if your backup's playing so I don't know from street from a strategic standpoint if that provides a, a whole lot but um yeah but I mean he, he certainly did and then you know obviously and maybe they thought that at the time but there were some reports that that kind of injury is more of a, you know, four to five, four to six weeks than one to three. So, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, the only thing I would say on the, you know, because you mentioned Bishotti and the fully guaranteed, um, Deshaun Watson's deal clearly was an outlier. I, I mean, I don't know anybody's arguing differently. I don't get it because fully guaranteed, Kirk Cousins got fully guaranteed. There were a gazillion quarterback contracts after that, including um, – Aaron Rodgers coming off of an MVP season um, and he got he got the highest paid contract, but it wasn't fully guaranteed. Then you get Deshaun Watson because Cleveland is, you know, Cleveland was out of the Sean Watson um, sweepstakes. He said, I don't want to go there. It was down to Atlanta and New Orleans. And Cleveland came in and said, we'll give you fully. We'll give it all you know, fully guaranteed. <laughs> Changed his mind. Um, since then, you've had car car had a deal. Um, uh, Russell Wilson. Um, Kyler Murray uh, and well cars was a lesser deal but the other two were top of the market deals not fully guaranteed so I, I don't see I don't see where I mean you can you can point to Deshaun Watson's deal but I don't see how anybody can argue really legitimately argue maybe put it that way um, that that is the standard now it, it's not it was an outlier and um, I you know I don't I just I don't know who then you know, I mean, obviously you got Burrow and you got uh, um, the kid in uh, Los Angeles, uh, Herbert. Herbert. Um, you know, they're they're next up now. I don't see either of those teams because they're those teams are cheap. Those teams are truly cheap. Um, I don't see them giving fully guaranteed either. And those two guys could certainly argue for it. And I'm not saying Lamar can't argue for it. I mean, he's you know, I mean, he's that good. I mean, he's that special. But that doesn't mean you're going to get it. And, uh, you know, I don't see anybody giving it to him, especially now. If he's coming off of an MVP season this year and, you know, he rolls through the playoffs and, you know, gets the Ravens deep into the playoffs, then maybe you can argue it. 
Um, but I just, I, I don't, I just don't see it. Ryan, you're going to be busy this offseason. <laughs> Appears so. <laughs> and hopefully it doesn't start this weekend, but we'll see what the Ravens do against the Bengals in Cincinnati for round two of that battle. So thanks for joining us. I'm Tony Lombardi. This is Brian McFarlane. We're both from Russell Street Report. Thanks for tuning in to the front office.